All right, and welcome to another episode of The Race Directors. I am David Alfano from Trials and Miles, and I am here with my partner, Cooper Knowlton. And today's guest is Tess Sobomian Marshall. For those not familiar, she is the founder of The Running Nerd. She's a race director. She's a Lululemon ambassador. She's a community leader and as our first guest, Brian Mister, stated, she is a force in the Atlanta community. And from just doing a little bit of research, getting ready for today's call, it is very apparent that she's doing a lot of awesome stuff. Definitely want to learn a little bit more about you, but I got to start off with the race. I mean, watching your video highlights from your website... I don't know if Cooper and I have seen anything like it from the dancing to the the classes, the branding, the like four day experience. So maybe if you could start off with it for someone that doesn't know anything about the race, just how would you describe it? Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me and thank you for providing this platform for other potential race directors, race directors who've been in it forever, people who are just interested in the the back end of how all these events come to light. So thank you for that. Uh, But yeah, the race I've tried over, this is going to, we're going into our seventh year of hosting the race, which if you have that like a pause button thing, let's insert that right here. (laughs) Um, cause I mean, it's, it's tough to, to keep any events going for multiple years. So we're very proud to be seven years in, but over those years, trying to come up with a tagline or just a, a one way to describe it. And what always comes up is this is a race that celebrates black excellence. So we're using a running event to celebrate black excellence. And I say, I love to say it that way because you can celebrate, anyone can celebrate anything they want to celebrate, right? So yes, we are majority black runners come to participate in the race. We're very proud to say that we we produced the race with majority black owned businesses, my business at the helm, but we welcome all to come and run and have this experience with us. So as you mentioned, it's a four day event. It's a half marathon and 5k. So let me start there for the run. People are like, what distance is it? It's a half marathon and 5k weekend. We have a welcome night on the Thursday of our race weekend. We have a full day expo that is indoor, outdoor, live presentations, fitness presentations. We have an exhibitor expo where you're going to be able to shop not only with running type companies, but black owned businesses, small businesses. You're going to get to meet our charitable partners and, and interact with them. You're going to get to dance. Like you said, we have entertainment. We have a live DJ going on all day. And then on Saturday morning, um, you come to a site and what makes the race the most unique is that this race is historically about 90% supported by black runners and walkers. And so it's an experience that you just don't get at other racing events. You're walking up and if you're a white male, you are going to be the minority. And that's not the case in most races. Um, But it's beautiful. Um, People come excited. We kick off the pre-race festivities at 5.30 in the morning. The race actually starts in the dark. So it's cool seeing everybody taking off. And then the 5K, the half marathon starts and the 5K starts. And then as the first runners are coming back, they're running with the sun behind them. And then we have a big post-race party, a big post-race festival. And then 
the real set apart of the race weekend is our Sunday Community Impact Service Day. So after we have had all the fun we can have, we've partied, we leave our Saturday night freeze because a lot of people are coming to Atlanta for the first time or they're, they want to do all the touristy stuff or they want to meet up with friends from other run crews or people that they've met over the weekend. But Saturday, Sunday morning, we get up and we curate community service projects for everyone to participate in. So we always say you haven't completed the race until you've gone through all four days. If you got to miss the welcome night party, we get it. But you got to come to the expo and spend some time. You got to come, you got to run your race, hang out after the race, and then come and serve the community. And we, most of our projects, if not all, are in the community that we just ran through the day before. So that's the race weekend. So it's an experience in Black excellence. There are so many places that I want to go from there. But I think I'd love for you to, you mentioned that this is the seventh year and when you're describing what this race is, it's like a behemoth, right? It's incredible how many things you're doing. And I would love to just understand a little bit specifically for people listening who are like, you know, I'd love to do something like that. Obviously, I'm sure it looked very different in year one. So maybe you can just tell us like, what did year one look like? How did this look when you first got it off the ground? And how have you grown it to what it is today? Has it been incremental or was there one big change or one big kind of evolution? Yeah, I would just love to hear the story of the race. Yeah. So actually, we have a very unique beginning because we actually launched the race as a Kickstarter campaign back in 2017. Um, a group of us who are based in here in Atlanta, myself as a race director, a couple of leaders from organizations that you've probably heard of, like Black Men Run, South Fulton Running Partners, which is the oldest African-American run club in the world. And then a couple of other folks that are just avid runners. They kept talking about, we need to put on, we have all the resources. We've got tests here in Atlanta and I'm a Atlanta race director, but I have helped out with a lot of the races that traveled to Atlanta, like hot chocolate and rock and rolls that have come here. And I've been a boots on the ground person. I'm not Atlanta Track Club, which hosts the Peachtree Road Race and our, our big marathon here. But, I, you know, I've gotten to know how to put on an event in the city. So the whole idea of it just kept coming up. And I was like, well, let's put it out there to the people and see if they want to support it. So if you recall, and I, I don't really see Kickstarter campaigns as much as I used to, but Kickstarter basically is you put an idea out there, you put a funding goal, and if people want to support it, they pledge. And in this case, we ask people to pledge their registration fee. And if we hit the goal, we would move forward with the inaugural race in 2018. If we didn't hit the goal, we can say, you know, that was a great idea, but people didn't want it. We hit the goal, y'all. So when we hit the goal, <laughs> we, had to, we had to actually put on a race. Can I just stop you there? At this time, had you ever seen another? Where did the idea of the Kickstarter come from? I've never seen a race start that way. It's totally unique. I knew of one other race that that did um, not Kickstarter, but another crowdfunding platform. So I got the idea from them, but not at that the, the way that we did it and at the scale that we did it. And our biggest thing was, and we, we have this a beautiful video that we produced, our Kickstarter video. I still love watching that video. I, I get a little tear every time I watch it. But it was really just, hey, if you guys want to see this happen, y'all keep talking about we should do this, we should do this. And I'm an action oriented person. So we put and it started off as we were just going to do a half marathon. That's how we put the Kickstarter out there. And we reached out to, you know, every running ambassador and whatever you want to call them back in 2017. I don't think we were using the term influencer as much. And we had over a thousand people that backed the race. So with hitting our goal, we opened registration in 2018 on Martin Luther King Day. 
and hosted the inaugural race in 2018 in October. And even the date and the time of year was very strategic because, you know, we're all runners. So we were like, we can't compete with April and May. We got Boston and London, all those. Most of us were at that time and still am international runners. But we also didn't want to do it. It's Atlanta. So we didn't want to do it in the summer where it's nobody's going to come to Atlanta and run in the summer. October, we landed in October. And we tried to not conflict with Chicago Marathon. So the very first year, we were like the second weekend in October. And then the subsequent years, we've been the first weekend in October. And then last year, it actually came up where we were going to conflict with Chicago as being the first week in October because Sunday was... It's so weird how the calendar works. Like if Sunday is the first, then it ends up being the second. But we were like, you know what? We've established ourselves as the first with Saturday in October. So Chicago gonna have to figure out what to do. <laughs> so, so that, but that's how, that's why we are in October because we considered the entire year of racing. But we did add the 5K when we opened registration. And the 5K has been the more popular as far as registration. But the half marathon is the, the driving force of the race. We said most people are going to travel for a half marathon, but we do get people who will travel for this 5K. Like, I, I think that's something that's very unique about our race. They will come and book flights, hotels, touristy stuff just to come run our 5K. So that says a lot. But the half marathon is the kind of premier event of the race weekend. So that first year, it was really just like seeing it all come because everything was just an idea in the first year. And it was a vision. And I remember we have our welcome night event on the Thursday night and I stood up on stage and all these people had shown up from all over the world. And I'm just sitting there looking around. I definitely cried. I think I cried the first two years. Now I've been able to keep myself together and welcome night. But yeah, so it's very humbling. And even the COVID year, 2020, we had what I still state, no one ever refuted, one of the best produced virtual events. We had all 50 states represented in our virtual. We still, our sponsors still supported us. We sent out like the most ridiculously nice like race packet. We had a virtual participation where people could listen in and run the race all together. It was, it was awesome. We've been able to keep everything going and move forward. And our numbers have grown like smaller and smaller each year. So we've gone, I say we've increased about eight to 10% each year, which, you know, as I'm realistic of that's good growth in, in this industry, especially these days. Going back to that Kickstarter, because you raised a, a substantial amount of money in that first year. I mean, was it around 73000 Was that accurate? Yeah, well, again, the Kickstarter, were, those were people's race registration pledges. So we knew that those pledges would be just to get us started. But it was a good amount of money. I'm not refuting it's a lot of money, but that wasn't what it took to put on the race. So people had to go in and claim their registration. But essentially, their claim was comped because they had pledged the registration fee, if that makes sense. When you're building a first year event and you have 73,000 in registration, and that's not including any sponsorships, how does that shape in your mind what that event could look like? Because I know we've been doing this a couple of years. And I, if you asked us in some of our first year events, hey, we're going to have over 70,000 in registration, we're going to have hopefully a few businesses, a few sponsorships, we'd be thinking pretty big in year one. How, did that shape how that preparation and what that first year product potentially could look like? Because I know you definitely seem like you are ambitious with what these can, and you've already done it, but not sure if that makes sense. I'm hoping I'm going to answer the question you're asking, but 
half marathon events running through a major city are not if there's a lot of line items police officers aren't donating their time to be out there permits are not just handed out we were very transparent and actually i think you can still go on the race website and see our line item budget from first year and we do we share our income and expenses report every year so you'll see i think we've averaged about it takes about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars roughly to put on the race the way that we envision it so to answer your question we had an idea of what level of race this needed to be as special as we wanted it to be and so the kickstarter was a good like okay we can move forward with this but we knew once we open registration, we were going to have to get more people outside of those who committed during the Kickstarter to register. And we hit that goal. And then sponsorship as well. We had a goal for sponsorship. We had a goal for registration. And then uh, another thing I didn't mention, $5 of every registration fee goes towards our charitable impact funds. Those funds are guaranteed funds for our charitable impact partners. We have a, a budget, and this is any race hopefully is doing this to have going in. But as we have grown in sponsorship report support, whether it be offsetting expenses or actual money being given to us, it's allowed us to do more creative things in marketing. I always say every year I waste money on one thing. <laughs> one year it was like ads on, you know, just trying things out. We put ads everywhere. Another year was infrastructure, just having signage that makes you, you feel like you're coming into a an event that is welcoming you. We wanted to make sure we spent money on that, but we also are very mindful of anything we're going to invest in. There needs to be some longevity to it. You know, it's not going to be just a, we just do this one time and there's no longevity to it. And even people, like I really like to invest my money in people. So it makes me so happy to write checks to local contractors or local businesses, the woman who does all of our social media marketing, like I have poured more into her than a marketing firm because I know her, like I can call her up right now and be like, hey, I have an idea. And she's a small business, but people are asking me about her all the time. Who does your social media? Who does that? Who does this? So I'd rather use the, those, use the funds that we're getting and growing to invest in the people and the growth of the event. What were the biggest pain points? You're starting with a thousand people. You know, I think most first year race directors would kill to know that they, oh, I immediately have a thousand people off the bat. That's often the the biggest pain point for a lot of people is just like spreading the word and getting yes. getting people to the starting <laughs> line. So, you know, it seemed like you didn't have that problem, but what was the most difficult part of getting this race off the ground? And maybe has that changed? What are still the biggest pain points in putting together an event of this size at scale? I would say the first year, just the, you know, not really knowing how things were going to be received and black runners. I'm, I mean, you could say it's for all runners, but I know my people, we're not shy about expressing it. We're not happy about something. And we would definitely give you the kudos when you've done a good job. We were waiting for that feedback. And yeah, after the first year, we we're like, okay, what did they really think? You know, you, everybody's going to come up to you and smile when they're happy, but like, check the email to see where all the complaints were. So, you know, most of the pain points were just the unknown and all of the team that works with me, all my team are volunteers. I don't have a staff. When you write to info at the race you see or running nerds, you're talking to me. It's not someone in an office. Just being able to deliver on the excellence that we marketed this race on, that's always going to be, I, I want to continue to be stressed out about that because it's, to me, I was given the race and the idea of this race from a higher power. Like, it's not about me. Like, people come up to me, Tess, I want to run your, it's not my race. This is the people's race. Just trying to continue to raise the bar every year. 
that's something that I want to always keep that pressure on myself and on my team. This year we had, well, we almost, I hesitate to call anything perfect, but last year's race was amazing. The vibe was great. We ended up with great weather. People came through, you know, we made a little money. It was great. Everything was great. So it's okay. Now what do we do to take it to another level? So we have some ideas and some things that we want to do. I'm happy to get into that if you feel like that would be good for your audience to hear. But yeah, just always trying to take things to the next level. And of course, little things like course coning and course marking. Like if you, we can get into the trenches if you want to get into the trenches. Y'all just let me know how deep you want to get. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say too, and I think this would be helpful for other race directors is and me and Brian actually just talked last week. And thank you guys for the podcast because it sparked me to say, Brian, we need to catch up. But we were just talking about trying to outsource some of the race day roles. So I've gotten a lot better with that. Year one and two, I'm running around on race day doing literally everything. And so last year was the first year I had someone in place for a start finish line manager, someone in place for a volunteer court. We have two volunteer coordinators instead of just one. Having people in place that you can almost outsource your, your small task on race day. That's been a huge uptick for us. It's one of those things where you just don't know until you don't know. I mean, I something as simple as like having a registration manager, someone who is there and I don't even have to think about it was game changing for like a, a, the third year in one of our events. So delegation is absolutely key, I would imagine, with races growing from year to year. You did mention, you know, now we're in your, your October is going to be year seven. What what are you thinking about right now? You're eight months out. Are you locked in for the same sponsors? Are you planning that one new thing this year? What's your day? Lo- I know you have a lot, you wear many hats throughout the day, but what in terms of the race, what is what does that look like right now for you? So yes, we actually are literally just starting to gear up to start revitalizing our social media and email blasts and things like that. I give my whole team, including myself, pretty much from like November to right about now. I don't email them. I don't call them. I don't like, because I want them to be refreshed just like I need to be refreshed. But we do um, determine what our theme for the next year will be because we open registration on Black Friday because that was when we launched our Kickstarter campaign. So we've kept that tradition going. So I did have to get basic things set up like our date, which is October 5th this year. Our theme, so we have a theme every year. So this year's theme is culture, which we are so excited about. So many things that we want to do with that. And then we'll, of course, the basic things like if we're going to have gender specific shirts, that kind of stuff, so that we can open registration and people can register. And we've already gotten over a thousand registrations for this year. That that was mind blowing. So starting in end of February into March, we'll start ramping up our social media. We'll start ramping up our email communication. We're going to start building up our partnerships. We've already got a few of our partners in place. So like Lululemon is, is coming back again for, I believe, like the fifth year in a row is one of our major uh, partners. A couple of our other small business partners that are already like, just let us know when we sign up to be at the expo because uh, people love our expo. The Atlanta Beltline is a partner that we started working with last year. And Atlanta Beltline is like a major community and pathway project here in Atlanta. And we run a part of our race on the Beltline. We were one of the first half marathons to utilize the Beltline. So I've been pushing for that partnership forever. So like partnerships like that, we've been, we've already gotten in place. 
our charitable partner program. We're going to continue to um, develop that even more. And then really it's just setting up partnerships. Communications will be consistent. And then we tend to see right around July is when everyone starts. If you haven't already registered, they start thinking about registering again. And then once we get into August, then it's that's the whole like finalizing everything. And then September is just September. It's crazy. I mean, it's a nice flow. I, I enjoy it every year. And like I said, as long as we get that couple of months of reset, I'm always refreshed and ready to get going. Tess, so much of what you do seems to be like in service to your broader community and the, the Atlanta community more specifically. And wondering though, if you've been approached or if you've thought about doing this type of race in other communities, I'm, I, I have no doubt that some other brands running stores have approached you about doing it and wonder what your thoughts are. If you were interested in going and working in other communities or if Atlanta is where you want to put most of your time and attention right now. So yes, I have been approached many times and suggested, and like I said, our people are very eager to give you um, opinions about, we've been asked to add a 10K, add a marathon. Take, yeah, I've heard them all. But my standard response, and for the foreseeable future, the race will be a half marathon and 5K event. And again, it's not, the race isn't an Atlanta event. It just takes place in Atlanta. And I always go back and tell people, would the Boston Marathon recreate the Boston Marathon and other cities with the New York, et cetera? So I know those are city-specific events, but the race is an event that is meant to culminate and bring together as many Black runners as possible. I would love to see other cities have... Atlanta has a ton of great events that are supported by Black runners and walkers. Like we have our own HBCU race. We have our own... Divine Nine race for the fraternities and sororities, Black Greek fraternities and sororities. We have several charity events that really hone in on some of the causes that are, are passionate for Black people. So we we have that here in Atlanta. I don't know what other cities do, but I think it would be great for other cities to have. Now a lot of groups are doing Black History Month events, things like that. But I love the idea of the race being a culminating event. If someone wanted us to come and consult on hosting an event, but it wouldn't be the race in another city. Someone did mention like, since we are on the like extreme East Coast, having the race East Coast, the race West Coast, like that idea didn't sound too crazy to me. But for the foreseeable future, as we were talking about before we started recording, we got toddlers, you know, y'all know, trying to <laughs> come up with new ideas with a toddler running around. We got to at least get her in, in some kind of daily activity before we can do something like that. But I love the enthusiasm that people have for it. They'd have to clone you and the other cities to get this to the point seriously. So the you hear with the consulting, she's available uh, if you want to try to bring something like this to your city. Nobody wants to be a race director anymore, guys. I don't know. It's like the most glamorous. No one wants to do a job. I can tell you exactly why. Because at three in the morning, you're like lugging porta johns or lights or carrying boxes. Every time we finish one of these races, we call each other and we're like, why do we do this? crunch the numbers and you're like, man, what are we doing with our life? But no, it's at its best. It is such a fun job. It really is. Like it, there are like any job though. I've, we've all, I'm sure we've all had a number of jobs before we did this. No one goes out of college straight into the lucrative job of race directing. And it is a fun one to have. Yeah. I'm waiting for the race director major to come up in college and I'll become a professor and just teach. So let me know if you have any colleges offering race directing as a major, let me know because I'm applying. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tess, wondering just now and uh, maybe when you first got started, but are there any events that or race directors or events that really, this was the question that we asked Brian that led us to you, but just wondering if there are any race directors or events that really inspired you or that you've learned from or that inspire you that you've seen in the last couple of years and you thought like, oh, they're doing something really cool. Like I want to add an element of that to my event. My biggest inspiration race, unfortunately, does not occur anymore. Um, and it was the Lululemon Seaweeds Half Marathon that took place in Vancouver. Um, so I was um, fortunate enough to be what we call pace beavers, um, a pace beaver for that race for three years. I think I ran the first year and then two or three more years I, I went back. So I went to Vancouver four years in a row. And the thing I loved about that race is like it was really honed in on the brand of Lululemon the city of Vancouver, and you really got like a full experience. You didn't just come in, go to an expo, and then leave. They had the post-race party. They had a sunset concert. They had the expo was an event. It wasn't just come pick up your bib, see if they have any goose or anything on sale, and then roll out. It's actually insane. They had this whole Lululemon store, and people were like going crazy in there. And it was in the city of Vancouver. Now we didn't have, we don't have water like Vancouver has. We didn't have a seawall and all that. But I was like, you know what? Atlanta has enough going on that they can be a destination city for a big event. So that was a huge inspiration. And really just a lot of the races that I would travel to and just seeing what kind of experience were you creating to connect people? So like, I felt like New York, the city rallied around the New York Marathon. A lot where like when I went to New York to do New York and then I went to support a friend the next year and there were like all these group runs that were happening around the city. There were, you know, all the stores had something to do with it. So I love that. And we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I would love to get to the point where Black Atlanta really recognizes this is the race weekend in Atlanta. We've got a lot going on in the city every weekend. That's when I would know we've made it. When all the different restaurants around town are saying, oh, it's the race weekend. Are you here for the race weekend? So that's the ultimate goal. But like our Atlanta running community is amazing. Well, I think Lululemon's, they're still doing their 10K series, but I don't know who the leaders or race directors are there. Anyone who's in the creative race directing space, I think would be good to talk to. And the, and the local folks too, the folks who are just doing their neighborhood. Because I actually wear both of those hats because I actually have a local race series too where I'm only dealing with people who live in the Atlanta metro area and I love that like it's a nice balance what percentage out of curiosity the towners or out of staters are coming to the race I'm sure you've you've crunched those numbers yeah so it's 40 percent out of Georgia and I keep saying I need to look at how many people are outside of Atlanta because Georgia is a big state so if someone's traveling from like Macon or Valdosta or Savannah I consider that to be out of town so I would venture a guess that 20 to 30% of that 60% in that are Georgia are coming from outside of the Atlanta metro area. So over 50% is a safe assumption. You mentioned the other events that you do during throughout the year. Do you think of those more as standalone events or are those events that you're using as a platform to build awareness about the race and it's all kind of leading up to the race and the race is the culmination or are each of those kind of unique individual entities that you're thinking about differently? Think about them very differently. My race series outside of the race is called Run Social and we partner with Monday Night Brewing. Like I said, it's very local. We have Atlanta Track Club here in town. Uh, and Atlanta Track Club is a huge partner and a supporter of the race. And I will say that 
we have our lane and we, we do great work in our lane, but Atlanta Track Club does a great job in the city of Atlanta with the big mega events. Obviously, we've got the Peachtree Road Race, the Publix Atlanta Marathon Weekend, which are two of my favorite events to participate in. And then all of the sports team race, race series. So they do a great job with the in-between build-up races and they allow us to come out and, and table at events and support. Like we're always at the Peachtree Road Race Expo and that's one of our biggest marketing weekends to showcase the race and, and tell people about the race. But I like my little small, I can put everything in the back of my U-Haul race event. I'm done at 12 o'clock and I'm home because the race weekend is not that. That's, it's a whole production. I'm driving the, the 20 foot U-Haul that weekend, which I really actually like. <laughs> it's funny. We always, every year when we grow our events, some of them are now in year two, year three, year four. And it's always like, how do we get more out of towners? And it's always about the experience. It's it's not only the after party, it's not only the the run the day before, but it's, I mean, a four day, I'm thinking about me personally in New Jersey, and I've never been to Atlanta. And to be able to make a four day vacation as a runner, I love, first of all, I love to dance, I love to run, and anything with a cause or a mission that I feel strongly about, I'm going to support. And this, this is just kudos to you. I, I, I don't see anything like this not only for what you're trying to do, but like other, we talk with charities all the time, mental health and veterans. And I really think that there is something to this three day experience in a really awesome city. Like I, I was going to ask you why Atlanta, but I mean, Atlanta is a bustling city. You got so much going on. You got hip hop music, you got great sports teams. It's just such a no brainer for why am I going to come to Atlanta for four days? And I think you've nailed it. And I think anyone listening to this in a city that maybe a bigger city that has the infrastructure, sky's the limit for some of these other um, ideas and cities. And so it makes so much sense to me. And, and you need someone on the ground like yourself that can bring everyone together and not really a question, but just thinking out loud. It's really cool. And it's definitely going to continue to grow. I'm sure of it. Well, I certainly hope you both of you can make your way to Atlanta, if not this year, some year soon. And you would definitely be my guest. So let me know if you decide to register so I can make sure I see you because I, I have had many people come through and be here the whole weekend. I don't even see them. But no, seriously, I would love to have you guys come down and experience it for yourselves. It's almost embarrassing how much people like when they see me and they want to tell me, oh, my God, I had such a great experience. I'm like, thank you. It's a lot of work. And I think you mentioned it earlier, Cooper, like it's outside of me. If people don't want this race anymore, if we ever get to a point where, yeah, oh, that was fun. I'm not doing it just to have something to do. So as long as people keep showing up and supporting, we'll keep doing it. You know, with any race event, we're going to have our folks that come and do it every single year. It's like a lot of our run crews and groups, they make it like a target race for the year. And we appreciate those folks. And they bring 100 people from that one crew or group and make it a big deal. And then maybe a few of those people might come back the next year, but not the whole big group. And then you're going to have some people that like, okay, I just want to experience this one time just to say I did it. And I mean, that's the kind of runner I am. Most of my races, I've only done one time. So with the combination of those three kind of race participant types, I think we have something that can last a long time. So like year seven's a special year. I'm already like thinking ahead to what year 10 could look like. So I just appreciate the opportunity to tell people about this beautiful experience. That's super cool and probably a great place to, to end it right there. I'm sure we could keep going and take up plenty more of your time, but Tess, this was awesome. I'm adding it to my list of destination races. Hopefully we'll see you at some point. Thanks for carving out some time. This is, it, it's incredible what you built. Incredible to hear the story of the race. Thank you. And I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of this. 
Thank you. Yeah, I echo everything Cooper said. A lot to take for us to think about when we're approaching some of our year three and four. Appreciate you uh, sharing some of your thought process. 